Thank you for joining Resurrection Lutheran Church this Sunday morning, giving praise with us for God's blessings of music, prayer, and scripture. I, Pastor Karen Perkins, will be sharing a message of grace, forgiveness, and hope. All of the worship leaders welcome you. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose teaching is life, whose presence is sure, and whose love is endless. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And And also with you. you. Pray. Sovereign God, you have created us to live in loving community with one another. Form us for life that is faithful and steadfast, and teach us to trust like little children, that we may reflect the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. For the reflection today about Martin Luther. Martin Luther was born in Germany on November 10, 1483. He was a devout Augustinian monk and later a professor of theology. He read and studied the Bible carefully and became more concerned about the abuses of the Catholic Church. He wrote 95 theses or statements noting the things that he wanted the Catholic Church to debate and resolve, but he was excommunicated by the Church for refusing to retract his statements. The basic tenets of Luther's faith are salvation is a gift of grace through Jesus Christ, the priesthood of all believers, and the Bible is the only source of divine knowledge. Luther placed great importance on education and advocated for compulsory schooling, even for girls. He was way ahead of his time. He wrote Luther's large catechism for the priests and clergy and the small catechism for parents to teach their children to provide clear guidance on the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the creeds. He translated the Bible into German, and the Catholic Mass was conducted in Latin, so he developed the German Mass and wrote the text to hundreds of hymns so people could participate in the worship service. Music was a vital force for Luther. Besides his composing, he played the lute and the flute and had a strong tenor voice. There was a lot of music in his home. Some of my favorite quotes are, Next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. The gift of language combined with the gift of song was given to man so that he should proclaim the word of God through music. And as long as we live, there's never enough singing. And even if I knew the world would end tomorrow, I would plant my apple tree. And I have so much to do, I'll spend the first three hours in prayer. All right, now it's time for our children's message. For the children's message today, I want to talk about the gospel that we were supposed to have in the bulletin. It's it's titled, I'm going to do the second half, which is titled, The Little Children and Jesus. And of course, I didn't write what part of Mark it is. 10, 13? No. I just have that it starts at 13. I don't know what chapter. Okay. Yes, I will restart for the radio part of it. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to restart. Eventually we'll hear what chapter we're in when we get to the actual part. Okay, now it's time for our children's message. 
Today we're going to talk about the second part of the gospel, titled, The Little Children and Jesus. Starting at verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who has not received the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. Now, I imagine as someone who has met and spent time connecting and teaching children that this encounter with Jesus would look something like what our children's sermons looked like before COVID. And because the kid we have here today happens to be my child, I'm going to show you what that looked like. Victoria, come sit. Come back. And because I'm separately mic'd, I can do this. Worked out really great today. Hey, Victoria, can you come sit with me? Come here. Really fast. Get your stuff. Come on. All the things. Sorry. Okay, you got all your things. Can we talk about your name really fast? Yeah. What's your name? My name Doya. Yeah? And do you like your name? Doya. Do you like when people call you your name? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my mom. Uh-huh. Yeah. When we have kids at church, should we call them by their names? Yeah. Yeah? Does that make you feel loved? Yeah. It will make me happy. It super makes you happy. Yeah. I bet Jesus did that when he met children. I bet he called them by their names. Yeah? yeah? I'll open your snack for you. There are some other kids who aren't here, but we know their names because they used to be here all the time. Do you remember Drew? Mm-hmm. Do you remember Isabella? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Those are some kids that we used to have here. And of course, thanks to all the chaos, I forgot of some other kids. Can I get help? What are some other kids we know the names of? Kaylee and Fiona. Kaylee and Fiona and Kendall. And Kendall. And Aaron, and oh, Tristan. We know Tristan, and Tristan's been here. We know Nova and Seaver. And you know what? Reed's been here, too. Yeah. And when we pray today, do you think we can pray for all these kids by their names because that's what Jesus would do? Yeah? And for the kids who listen on the radio, if you guys send your name in, then we can pray for you as well. Let us know that you're listening and let us know that you're part of our children's message. Yeah. Do you want to pray real fast? Mm-hmm. Okay, sit down. We'll do really quick pray. Ready? Dear God, dear Jesus, thank you for inviting all the little children and for welcoming them. Thank you for Victoria. Thank you for Drew and Isabella and Kendall and Kaylee and Nova and Reed and Seaver. And I'm forgetting someone. Tristan and Fiona. Amen.
Oh, man. Gospel according to Mark. Some Pharisees came, and to test him, they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. In, in, in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. You may be seated. I don't know where to stand now. Um, I'm going to start with acknowledging that this text is full of landmines. Words and topics that can elicit powerful visceral responses uh, and around which some people might have trauma, which affects the way we hear the gospel today. There, it may be the case even for you that once you hear about divorce, you, you can't hear anymore. Just know that about yourself. Know that and trust that God will, through the Holy Spirit, speak to you in the way that is appropriate. We have this text for a reason. I'm going to talk about it. But I want to make sure that we're not uh, neither glossing over the fact that a lot of people uh, have, have deep wounds from either their, their own divorce, their parents' divorce, the way they were, communities treated divorced people, the way churches treated divorced people, uh, just a lot of that. And, and certainly um, it's our responsibility to pray for your healing if that's you. But I, wanna, I just want to acknowledge that because I am going to talk about more than that. Um, The Pharisees, it's very specific here, the Pharisees asked the question to test Jesus. Now, it isn't like to test him so that he can pass the test. They're really challenging, arguing, trying to discredit Jesus. Happens over and over again, where they ask these questions. He turns around and asks a question in response. What do the scriptures say? What do Moses say? What do the teachings say? And they give him the correct legal answer. Know, though, that at the time, there wasn't an agreement on what was acceptable, in what context 
divorce was acceptable and in what context it was not, and in what context remarriage after divorce was acceptable. So even though they quote this passage, there are, there are other places where marriage is talked about in the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, but that's the one that they, they're pointing out, which gives you a little bit of an idea of what they're looking for Jesus to defend. Now, often people who wield the law, wield the rules, are the people who benefit from the rules. And the fact that they know how to work on the rules allows them to stay in positions to wield the rules. So the more, the more you know how to work the law, the more powerful you are. The more powerful you are, the more you know about the law. I learned this very well when I was attending court with some, some of my kids from a previous congregation, and the, uh, the system wasn't geared so that they could understand what was going on. Um, that's, that's in contemporary times, but it wasn't different at the time. So this is a power, power struggle. We know that Jesus was a threat to, the, to their power. And so Jesus references Moses. Now by referencing Moses, he demonstrates that he is in fact a good Jew. But then he goes on to say more about it. This is where Jesus claims authority over scripture. It's a very powerful move. He says, Moses said this because, and goes on to give the rest of the story. Yes, you do have this rule, but the reason God gave you this rule is because of your hardness of heart. Understand the specifics, though, of the hardness of heart. Marriage, as we understand it today, is not the same as what marriage was in the first century, very much not the same as marriage in the time of Moses. Marriage was about security, wealth and power building, building bonds within communities that you trusted, and being able to bring up your children in that type of familial clan. So the romantic marriage thing is maybe you can count it coming from the, you know, 16th century. Um, but even that's pretty early. So when, when divorce was addressed, it was usually because no children were being produced. And we know now that what they called a woman being barren may or may not have had something to do with her biology. But it also could be, a divorce could be claimed on the accusation of infidelity, adultery. Accusation of. Who can give testimony on this accusation? Guess what, the men. A couple of men can give testimony. So, Jesus saying, it's your hardness of heart, means you're trying to dump your responsibility. When you marry somebody and you leave your father and mother's household and become one with your wife's household, you 
take on that responsibility for the welfare of that person. And divorce is abandoning that responsibility, which can leave the, the, the one who's dumped destitute. Another landmine we have today is this, this text from Genesis. Uh, God created Adam and Eve. Know that there are volumes and volumes and volumes written about the creation stories in the first couple of chapters of Genesis. There are multiple ones. And the language matters because it comes from different sources and the way that it's woven together affects the way we hear it and the way that it's translated affects the way we hear it. At the time of Jesus, it was most likely understood metaphorically. Adam, meaning a guy or humanity. Even a rib might be a mistranslation as, as light or life. And the thing that is consistent is that in the creation stories, God creates animals or a wife or all of them to be a helper to the man or to be a helper to humanity. That same word is used sometimes for the Holy Spirit. I will send a helper for you. So this is a very intimate, very important partnership that's being given because it's not good to be alone, which is really the point here, is that aloneness for a wife for whom you've taken responsibility and you're trying to, to get out of, or any other person that's in your community, them being left alone and abandoned is, isn't good to be alone. It's not healthy. So there's, there's so much piled in this. And the Pharisees are just trying to catch Jesus saying something wrong. I, I don't even know how much they care about divorce. And then we get the, the disciples asking for clarification on it. And this clarification about adultery and committing adultery against your spouse. Again, understand that this, this has some very specific context. And it would take me way too long to go into it now. What comes out of it is that separation after that close of a union creates wounds. It creates wounds and it creates scars. And there are times where people are not being honored in their partnerships. And in fact, they're being treated so dishonorably that is healthier for them, more godly for them, to leave that relationship. That's, that's how we come to talk about divorce now. The problem is that there's this history of people wielding this divorce text in very much the same way that the Pharisees were wielding these questions at Jesus as a weapon to feel superior, to have power over other people. And so we end up with people who want to say, this is what it says. I'm going to bust you or I'm going to find what you can or can't do. That is scarring. So if you have a relationship that ends 
And I, I don't know anybody who doesn't experience at least some pain in a divorce, and in some case, really, really deep pain. You have all sorts of loss with community. And then there's this piece that people want to lay on you about what you should or shouldn't be doing in your relationship. Now, I'm, I'm a big fan of marriage. Um, thanks, Brad. Uh, but, but I'm a fan of teaching, treating each other in a way that is healthy. Because why was the spouse created? To be a helper. To be a helper. And then Adam was given the responsibility for her. So it's mutual. And that's reflected a little bit where Jesus said, and then a wife who divorces her husband. The Roman law allowed a wife to divorce her husband. Jewish practice didn't, but Roman law did. So they both kind of fit in the Roman Empire there. We have to be really careful about falling into the same traps as the Pharisees in the very scriptures we're reading. It's tempting. It's easier to say, this is what the word says, checkbox here, you're out, or you messed up, or you get to be this close to God. And that's when Jesus turns away from all that nonsense and says, bring who? The little children. The little children. I mean, it just kind of sets it aside. Let the children come to me. The, these who have no status independent of their own, we talked about that last week. These who, in most cases, haven't been taught yet to discriminate and to hate based on status, gender, tribe, profession, height, whatever. These are the ones who come and are learning and are open to the love that we give them without the checkboxes. First of all, send them to me. He just turns around and loves them. And then he tells us that that's how we're called to receive him. In this open, allowing ourselves to be loved in the overwhelmingly gracious way that God loves us in Jesus. Not through a series of rules or debates, but through just a welcoming embrace. Let them come to me. Now, Divorcees would have been vulnerable at the time. The children were vulnerable at the time. And by embracing this resistance to the Pharisees, all the followers of Jesus were being called to live a vulnerable life. They were putting themselves in progressively more danger. And I want to, I'm just going to tell you this because it, it struck me as apropos this week. I um, saw a Facebook post. I don't go on that often, but I saw a Facebook post about, you know, what do, what do, you know, what's the one thing teenagers need today? And 
What was striking about it was that a lot of the responses were hostile to teens and youth. They need to be brought in line, they need to be taught respect, they need to you know, be put in the military, they need to be a lot of different, their parents need to discipline them better. There was a lot of judgment about parenting and about teens and youth. And I wanted to, to ask, huh, I wonder how recently any of these people have encountered a real live teen or young person. Because I'm, I'm, I'm sure they, they come in all different variations, but when I encounter them, it's not my experience that they're mostly this, that, or the other thing. Certainly, being judged isn't the thing they need the most. And that's what Jesus says here. Let the children come. Let them come as children. Not when they learn how to do it the way we say they should, when they've been in the military for two years, when they, or whatever, when they've, you know, learned the proper manners or the proper way to cross their feet or whatever. Let them come as they are. As they are. Open to receiving my love. That's it. That's, that's all we're called to do. And it's one of those that's all we're called to do in that there's no more. And that's all we're called to do in that that's a heck of a lot. Remember that God calls us into healthy relationships. And anytime we use any of God's word to create brokenness and separation and woundedness, we're abusing God's word because over and over again, this separation is pointed out as detrimental to us. It's not good for us to be alone. It's not good for us to create situations in which we try to isolate other people. In fact, we are called to welcome in, to seek out the isolated and invite them to hear about this great love. Let us come as little children today. Our service where we lift up our gifts to God. We offer ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Members, of course, are encouraged to give our regular tithes and offerings through an assigned number, and we have regular vehicles for doing that. You're invited to go to our website and use PayPal or one of the other donate buttons that we have on the website. You can make a special offering to the RLC on KINY ministry, which helps keep this on the air, or to the RLC food pantry, or to Juno Live, which helps with community outreach. You're also more than welcome to come by in person or make a food donation. We Encourage people also to be involved with the community and appreciate volunteers. All of these things are gathered together in song and prayer. We pray, God of abundance, you cause streams to break forth in the desert and manna to rain from the heavens. 
accept these gifts you have first given us. Unite them with the offering of our lives to nourish the world you love so dearly. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And let us announce together, the mission of Resurrection Lutheran Church is to promote spiritual growth in Christ and service to all people. People of God, you are Christ's body, bringing new life to a suffering world. The Holy Trinity, one God, bless you now and forever. Amen. This has been an abridged worship service of Resurrection Lutheran Church. You are welcome to join us for worship in person on Sunday mornings at 930. We are located at 740 West 10th Street in downtown Juneau. Our phone number is 586-2380. More information about our location, parking lot, current COVID policy, and other contact information is available on our website at rlcjuno.org. The website is also the best way to learn about what events are happening with the community outreach ministry, Juno Live. With a vital food pantry, bell choir, quilting group, Bible study, and others, there may be a ministry here just for you. Come and see.